This morning's scripture reading is taken from Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, saw John, and I John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for former things are passed away. Good morning and welcome. We are grateful for such a great assembly. And as has been said a moment ago, the singing has been superb. I appreciate Brother Raymond and Brother Joe leading us today in such a great, great way. And we're thankful that you're here. And we are very grateful that we have the opportunity to be together, to enjoy such a great homecoming. I think about homecoming and what that means to me and hopefully to you. It is truly a time of reacquaintance. It's a time of reunion. It is a time of rejoicing. And so we're grateful for that. I appreciate the beautiful hymn that was led just a moment ago by Brother Joe. And we are thankful for the opportunity to lift our voices in melody to God as we sing praises to his great and glorious name. I was thinking just a moment ago about Brother D.O. mentioning that uh, the last time you saw him, he had hair. And then he made the reference to Brother Raymond that the last time you saw him, he probably had hair. And I got to thinking, you know, I've got hair right now. I don't know if uh, there's anything going around, but I would like to hold on to mine as long as I can. We are grateful for your presence today. Let me invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. I want us to think for just a few moments about the theme, Heaven's Homecoming. There will be a day in which all of God's people will be reunited. And that day will come sometime known to God. And it will be on that occasion that those of us that have lived and served the Lord will go home to be with him forevermore. Our objective as God's people is ultimately to go to heaven. And yet our goal is to take as many with us as humanly possible. And so I want us to think for a moment about heaven's homecoming. And there are really three things that I believe that we can see in Revelation chapter 21 that should help us to appreciate this great theme. First of all, I want to call your attention to the beauty of heaven. Now, as you and I think about the beauty of heaven, typically we think about that which 
is very comely. And I believe that the Bible paints a very descriptive city for us in Revelation chapter 21. The first thing that I would call your attention to as we think about the beauty of heaven is that heaven will be a great city. Look, if you would, at verse 10. In verse 10, John writes, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now, back in verse 1, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I have had the opportunity to visit what I consider to be some great cities across this country. This past summer, I had the privilege of spending about eight days in California. And during my time in California, we drove probably 1,500 miles just in that state. I think about beautiful cities like Los Angeles, San Diego, Sacramento, San Francisco, Carmel. Some of the most beautiful and scenic cities anywhere on planet Earth. And yet... While these are great cities, they pale in comparison to heaven. John said, he showed me the great city. But then there is another attribute that I would call your attention to. And that is, heaven is a glorious city. Look now at verse 11. When John writes of this holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, he said, having the glory of God. And her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. In verse 23, John again writing about this great heavenly city, speaking of the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb who will inhabit it, said the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine, for in it the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. In the Old Testament, we read about the tabernacle. And you and I know that according to the writings of Moses in Exodus chapter 40, that God dwelt in the tabernacle. That is, his glory dwelt in the tabernacle. In 1 Kings chapter 8 at verse 11, we read about the dedication of the temple. The temple was erected under the direction of Solomon, or at least under his kingship. And the Bible says that the glory of God dwelt in the temple. Today, those of us that are members of the church we understand and appreciate the fact that the glory of God is in his church, in this great body. But the Bible says that in heaven, the glory of God in all of its fullness, in all of its completeness, 
will dwell. So heaven is not only a great city, but it is a glorious city. But then also I would suggest it is a gigantic city. Look at verse 15. In verse 15, John said, He who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. And the city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of an angel. Some would say that a furlong was one-eighth of a mile. So you have a beautiful city, a gigantic city, measuring some 1,377 miles to 1,500 miles. And John said... Those dimensions are according to its length and breadth and height. That tells me that heaven will be big enough to accommodate all of God's people. You and I today, we're privileged to be in this assembly. And we literally have a capacity number of people. But you see, heaven will be able to accommodate all of us. There'll be room for all. But then there's another attribute I call your attention to, and that is heaven will be a golden city. Note, if you would, what the Bible has to say concerning this great city in the long ago. In verse 21, John said, The street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. The imagery here, I believe, conveys unto us the beauty of this celestial city. Gold is a very precious commodity. It's something that those of us who are married typically wear on our ring finger, signifying to us that we have a spouse, that we have been united in marriage. Those of us who are believers, Paul said, we are married to Christ. And so we enjoy a very special and intimate union with the Lord. And it will be in this heavenly city that we see this great city spoken of as pure gold. So the beauty of heaven. But then consider with me, if you would, in the next place, the blessings of heaven. I believe that there are some great blessings associated with heaven. And I believe that these blessings are spelled out in the book of Revelation. Somebody might ask me, what are the great blessings of heaven? Wherein lies the charm, the allure of heaven? I would submit unto you as we look at Revelation chapter 21... But first of all, heaven will be a place, a city of comfort. It will be a comforted city. How do I know that? Well, look at verse 4. 
In verse 4, John said, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. And there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I have stood at the side of an open grave. I've seen people whose hearts are literally breaking because of the loss of a loved one. And there have been occasions that I have been privileged to speak during memorial services. And during those services, I have sought to offer comfort to the family members. And there are many passages of Scripture that we often turn to that bring comfort to our hearts. I'm reminded of the psalmist when he said, God is a refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble, Psalm 46 at verse 1. But you see, here is a place in which all of God's people will forevermore be comforted. And who will be the one that comforts us? The Lord will. The Bible says God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. You and I will never again face the sting of death. Never again will we lose somebody that we truly love and appreciate. That veil of tears will be gone. So it is a comforted city, but then also, I would suggest unto you that it will be a cheerful city. How do I know that? How do I know that heaven will be a place of cheer? Well, let's just look again at verse 4. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now, if people are no longer sad, if they're no longer crying, if they're not burdened with the sorrows of life, then what does that mean? It means we're going to be in a state of bliss, cheerfulness. To think that you and I will be in a place where cheer will reign triumphant. And then also, know what he says. There will be no more crying and there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. There are people in our world, there are people who are in the body of Christ this very hour whose, whose bodies are racked by pain. They are chronically ill. Some are terminally ill. And that is a burden that many of us have to bear each and every day. But to think that you and I will be in this grand city where never again will we have tears running down our face. Never again will we have to console a lost, or rather a loved one who has lost somebody that they truly treasure. Never again will we experience pain. You want to talk about cheer, happiness, and bliss? Heaven is that place. But then also I would submit unto you that heaven is not just a comforted city, 
Not only is it a cheerful city, but it will be a clean city. Many years ago, I had the opportunity to spend quite a bit of time with my cousin. I was a teenager, and I was in what I would consider to be a very transitional point in my life. I just graduated from high school. My cousin was in college, and he was studying to be a forest ranger. And one of the things that he taught me during the time that I spent with him was you just don't litter. I guess he broke me of that habit when I was about 18. Well, you know, you and I, we can, we can ride around in the city, whether it be Memphis or Olive Branch or South Haven, Sanatobia, Nesbitt, wherever. And sometimes we marvel at how clean some cities are. And yet on other occasions, we drive through our city streets and we notice trash and debris. And we think about litter bugs. You know, one of the things that strikes me about heaven is heaven will be a clean city. Clean because God is the one who has prepared it, but also clean because of those who will reside in it. Look, if you would, at verse 8. In verse 8, John said, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You and I, we live in a world today in which individuals have no appreciation for the sanctity of human life. I think about how many people are murdered on an annual basis. Those who have no problem stealing from their neighbor. Those who are dishonest those who will cheat, those who will engage in relationships that are unwholesome. I'm reminded of some of the most heinous and criminal minds that have ever walked the face of this earth. And yet when we go to heaven, we'll be free from all of that. We will be in a city that is clean. We're not going to be sitting side by side, shoulder to shoulder, city to city with those who are delinquent and rebellious because they're not going to be there. Now our goal is to teach them the gospel so that they might one day be in heaven. But heaven is going to be a clean city. Verse 27 of chapter 21, There shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or lie. So we think about the beauty of heaven, the blessings of heaven. But then there's a third thing that I believe that we can see from our text, and that is the bride who will be in heaven. You see, if I can get you to appreciate the beauty of heaven and the blessings associated with heaven, then I think I could encourage individuals to want to go to heaven. When you see something that's beautiful, that has inherent blessings, then that just makes you want to be a part of it. And so what about this beautiful city that we call heaven? And what about the bride 
who will be in heaven. As you and I contemplate heaven, let me suggest unto you that as we think about the bride, we're talking about the church. That is, the redeemed, those who belong to the Lord. What about those who will one day be in heaven? I would suggest unto you that, first of all, heaven will be comprised of those who have made themselves ready. In Revelation chapter 19 at verse 7, the Bible says, The bride has made herself ready. Sometimes we talk about heaven. And we say that heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Well, that's, I think, an accurate statement. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am there, you may be also. In that same context, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Those who will one day be in heaven are those who have made themselves ready. What would a person need to do to make themselves ready for heaven? Well, the Bible says we have to believe Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins. In other words, unless you believe that I'm the divine Son of God, you'll die in your sins. Now, Jesus also said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. So we have to have faith. Now, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. So faith is mandatory. But then also we repent. That is, we turn from a life of sin. We change our heart, our mind. Jesus said, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you will all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3. And then we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, just like the eunuch did, as recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. And then we are baptized into Jesus Christ so that we might enjoy salvation, Mark 16, 16. The remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. The washing away of sins, Acts 22, verse 16. And then we live faithfully until death, and thus the promise being the crown of life. So those who are in heaven are those who have made themselves ready. But also heaven will be comprised of those who have been redeemed. The means by which you and I have been redeemed, Peter said, not silver and gold, not corruptible things, but rather the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. John said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. Heaven is going to be a beautiful place because it's going to be comprised of people that have been, that have been redeemed, redeemed by the blood of, of the lamb. But then also, heaven will be comprised of people who are on the divine register. Look, if you would, at Revelation chapter 20. At verse 11, John said, I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. 
And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Those who are in heaven are those whose names are on this divine register. That is, their names have been entered into the book of life. In verse 27, John said in chapter 21, There shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name in the book of life? If the Lord were to descend this very hour with all of his holy angels, And as John said, the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. Would your name be penned in the book of life? Would your name reside in that divine register? Something to think about. Heaven will be comprised of those whose names are on this heavenly register. And then I submit unto you, that heaven will be a time of reunion. Look again at verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I want you to think about all of the people that you have known in this life that are now in eternity. This morning I was talking to Nancy, my wife. And I brought up a friend of mine that I lost this past year. And I think about this individual every day. He meant the world to me. And there have been people that I have lost, that I have loved. And there have been some people that I've had the opportunity to to spend a lot of quality time with on this earth. And we're separated now. But you know what? There's coming a day in which we will be reunited with those people. We're going to be together again. Because heaven is going to bring us together. And we will one day be with those that we have loved. And we will spend eternity with them forevermore. You may have a grandmother, a grandfather, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a husband or wife, a son or daughter. It's now in eternity. It may be the case that they are now in paradise, but one day you will be reunited with them. And then finally, heaven will be comprised of people who rejoice. I think about heaven. And I think about all of the great attributes of heaven, but you know there's one thing that stands out to me. And that is the fact that it's going to be comprised of people who rejoice. Think about something that you've accomplished in your lifetime, some achievement that you've garnered, something that you've labored and borne the heat of the day so that you might enjoy 
and then to finally accomplish that task, to finish that goal. Oh, the sense of relief, a sense of joy. I think about getting to heaven and being able to say, thank God we made it. Be able to rejoice. I mean, this is what I live the Christian life for, so that I might be in heaven. What about you? Do you have that hope today? If you can see the beauty of heaven and the blessings of heaven, then no doubt in my mind you'll want to go to heaven. Are you heaven bound? One day we'll have a grand homecoming in heaven. My prayer is that every single person here today will be a part of that reunion. If you're here today, you're not a Christian, why not come to Jesus Christ? Obey the gospel. Become one with him in baptism. If you're unfaithful, why not come home? Be restored back to your first love. Enjoy fellowship once again with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and people of like precious faith. Would you come as we stand and sing?